Everybody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I think we had a, uh, well, my name's Scott Adams, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Um, hopefully, our audio is working just fine now, but uh, wow, starting off the show, you know, as soon as you pull the trigger, you you know whether you have a problem or not, but you don't know before that. Um, there's a lot of things we're going to be covering today. I'm almost hesitant to cover this one interview with Tucker and Victor Orban, but I have to play at least some of it. Uh, but the interview itself was just superb, and it makes a lot of sense. I played a clip of it last week, actually, with respect to where Victor Orban said, the only way we're going to get out of the Ukraine war is is to install Trump back into office, because that's the only figure in the world. And he also bragged and touted Donald Trump's foreign policy, which I always thought was superb. The way he handled North Korea. North Korea, who's now engaged with Russia to offer up Russia ammunition that they are running out of in the conflict with Ukraine. Ukraine, a country that we're giving another billion dollars for. Last week, I guess there was an order for $24 billion. When you think about that, Think about this. Think about it. Tax-free money. That's a million dollars in your pocket. If I gave you a million dollars and you didn't have to pay tax on it, and you multiply that times 24000 I mean, if I gave you a million dollars, think about it. If I gave you a million dollars, you could pretty much retire and live on the interest. At 6%, that's 60 grand a year in your pocket, and you don't even have to touch the principal. I mean, if I gave you a million dollars, you could pretty much retire 
if you're 50 or older, you could pretty much say, you know what? I'm checking out. I'm going to retire. Well, what do you think $24 billion buys? Do you think it's buying bullets and torpedoes? No. It's buying bribes and cooperation. And we throw this money around, $200 billion. That's 24,000 people you can coerce. Think about it. $24 billion makes 24,000 millionaires. Nobody ever looks at it like that. But it's potentially true. All the money that's going over there, we don't know where it's going. We don't have an audit for this stuff. But there's a lot of people getting rich. And it's not divvied up like that. It's divvied up to where you might get $100,000 on this particular installment. And the next installment, where it's like another $12, million, $12 billion and another $10 billion and, and another $18 billion and, and another $36 billion. It just It's billion with a B, folks. Every time there's a billion, that's a thousand new millionaires. They're buying off influence. If you if you have to wage a war where you're buying influence, this is, and Orban says there's just absolutely no way the, the Western media is lying to you that there's absolutely no way that Russia's losing that war, and I know for a fact that they're not losing that war. They're not losing. And they can get their ammunition from China. What are we going to do to China? Don't do it. China will go tell us to go pound sand, you weaklings. You transvestite military-run country that's not so serious. You woke country that's owned and operated by BlackRock and a whole bunch of globalists. They're basically selling out every aspect of America. You open border, non-serious country like the U.S. has become with rigged elections. We've become not only a feckless paper tiger, but we've become worse. We've become immoral. We've become demoralized. We've lost our identity. We've lost our way. Where you get a whole group of minorities every single day, there's videos all over the internet of minorities filming themselves, robbing stores, and looting them to the point where these stores can't even do brick and mortar. I think it's I think it's a purposeful endeavor. And I think it is the fact that they don't want you driving your car to the store. They don't want you talking to people. They want you isolated. Ah, you never thought about it like that, did you? They want you buying from Amazon. They like Amazon. They like their electric cars and their grid, their power grid. They like their transhumanism and CB digital currencies and digital this and digital that. Digital brain implants like we heard about yesterday. Digital this, digital that. Digital food. 3D food. 3D organs. I mean, it, nothing is real. No identity. 
How many people are coming across the border? Nobody knows. When we're, when we're sent out to war, who are we defending? Are we defending the minority majority? Are we defending the majority that's not even a citizen? Who are, are we defending? And if we were to defend, do we even have the ammo to defend? We just spent all of our ammo on Ukraine. You got Blinken right now over in Ukraine and Jake Sullivan on Capitol Hill yesterday all talking about there's going to be consequences if North Korea gives Russia weapons. Like what? What kind of leverage do we have over North Korea? We had a lot better leverage under Trump, the Trump administration when he got he got Kim Jong-un's attention with Little Rocket Man. I don't even want to say he got under his skin because it was actually almost a terms of endearment. You win him with sugar. You can lead a horse to with honey or sugar or salt or whatever they like. I remember all three, actually, when I had horses growing up. But the thing is, You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And the point is, is that we had leverage. We had at least some signature that said, no no more testing. And in, in, in return, we're going to go ahead and not do um, a whole bunch of military games that are super expensive in South Korea. We won't agitate you. You don't agitate us. We'll put a little detente on this Cold War between North Korea and uh, and America and show North Korea a little bit of respect because a little respect to a dictator like Kim Jong-un goes a long way. And Trump understood that. And he understood that he was going to get Xi to come to Mar-a-Lago and he understood that we were going to negotiate some semblance of a halfway fair deal in phase one, phase two, and then all of a sudden COVID comes out. So we got a lot of show. We have a lot of audio to get to. But, you know, the thing is, is that uh, there was a lot of talk in the news as well about the Biden crime family and whether anything's going to get done, whether McCarthy has the votes. These moderate uh, Republicans in the House who won their election in blue and purple state, purple districts that went to Biden. Look, folks, anybody who says anything went to Biden is not realizing the level and scale of election fraud. What else happened in the last 12 hours or 24 hours? And that is Proud Boys got sentenced to, what, 22 years in prison? You look at the riots in front of the White House from Black Lives Matter and from Antifa. You look at the riots in 2020. That was in June of 2020, where President Trump had to go to a bunker, where you got the mayor of D.C. painting Black Lives Matter Marxist groups, uh, graffiti all over the streets in front of Pennsylvania Avenue, in front of the White House. This company country is run by the Democrats. And I say it's time that you stop paying your taxes and you storm the gates. 
They want to give us 22 years. They can give us all 22 years. They could give us all 22 years in prison. And how's that going to work for their stupid tax base? How's that going to work for their tax base when everybody's incarcerated? Because the liberals aren't working. They're stealing. They're too busy conniving and stealing. So lock up all the taxpayers is what they're doing. But the problem, Enrique uh, Terrio, Ethan Nordeen, well, Enrique Terrio got 22 years, Ethan Nordeen, 18 years, Zachary Rell, 15 years, Joe Biggs, 17 years, Dominic, Dominic uh, Pezzola, 10 years. So all these people are, are getting like unbelievable amounts of time, jail time, when they don't lock up murderers who happen to be liberal or of some sort of minority status. Except if they're a Trump supporter, then they get the book thrown at them. I've never seen discrimination in our country unless it's a black, uh, you know, traditional discrimination. And if it's a black conservative that supports Trump, you can forget about it. If you're if you're in Hollywood and you come out and you say, oh, I'm gay, I'm coming out of the closet. It's like, so what? That's a badge of courage or like a badge of honor, right? Everybody applauds for what? Because you have a sexual persuasion. But if you come out and say, I support Trump because I want to take back our country from the deep state and the globalists and uh, push for election integrity, you'll be blacklisted in Hollywood for forever. Now, that would take some courage, but you're never going to see that level of courage unless it's from an actor that's halfway out the door and halfway retired and doesn't need the money. That's how Harvey Weinstein uh, came to power. Coercion. This was kind of funny in the last 12 hours. Uh, this was uh, Peter Ducey asking President, uh, asking uh, Jean-Pierre, President Biden is the oldest president in American history. Why does the White House staff treat him like a baby? Why is that? Why do they treat him like he's in a nursing home? Ukraine, President Biden is the oldest president in U.S. history. Why does White House staff treat him like a baby? No one treats the president of the United States, the commander-in-chief, uh, like a baby. So there's this book that says... That's ridiculous. When staff it's a ridiculous back claim. ...what sounded like a call for regime change in Russia, the president, uh, quote, rather than owning his failure, he fumed to friends about how he was treated like a toddler. Was John Kennedy ever babied like that? So look, uh, I'll say this. Um, there's going to be a range, always, a range of books uh, that are uh, about every administration, as you know, uh, that's going to have a variety of claims. That is not unusual. That happens all the time. And we're not going to litigate those here. That's something that we're not going to uh, speak to. There is one thing that I do want to, because I think I was asked this question last week by one of your colleagues about this particular excerpt uh, that they uh, were referring to. And so I'll say this, you know, we did see the excerpt, excerpt go, the context uh, of the excerpt, and it seemed to be making the opposite overall point about how the value of his experience and wisdom resulted in rallying the free world against authoritarianism, which is important. We have seen this. You all have seen this. And passage of the most historic agenda in recent history in his handling of foreign policy, like rallying the world around Ukraine, as you just heard from. Rallying the world around Ukraine is the biggest hoax since uh, all the hoaxes. 
They're all hoaxes. The Ukraine climate, this climate hoax is unbelievable. They're now using climate to, to, to bioengineer you into disliking meat. Like someone who has a uh, adversity to glucose or milk or dairy products, um, you know, they just have an adverse effect to certain foods. They could bioengineer you. They can inject you with a drug. They can make it so, you know, when you eat meat, you want to just throw up. I got a clip that's going to go to that as well today. All right. So this is a, 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 audio, a video, not a lot of audio. But uh, this is June 2020 rioters surrounding the White House. The president has been evacuated to a bunker. There's a fire on the White House perimeter. This is infinitely worse than anything that happened on January 6th. They burned a church to the ground. Trump got the fire department in to put out St. John's fire. And the libtarded uh, uh, female liberal priest uh, at the Episcopal Church that housed, that was supportive of every president since, you know, the last hundred years, uh, he saved that church and she badmouthed him. Uh, Regard, you know, regardless of the fact that he saved the church, <laughs> the thanks he gets, right? That's putting, that's putting liberalism ahead of everything else that's important. So this is the rioting, just unbelievable rioting. None of those people were arrested. All right, this this is kind of an interesting thing too. Uh, schools back in session. Already in D.C., they have masks and and glass panels around your desk and uh, their mask mandates happening. Jill Biden came down with COVID and uh, apparently um, somebody else. Oh, Joy Behar from The View came down with COVID, right? What are the odds? Why is it that when COVID was coming out, all these liberals were going on to their TikToks and, and Twitters and stuff? saying, I got the COVID. And they were just setting the trend. Now, I don't doubt that COVID does exist, meaning that I think that it's a bioweapon. I think that they're spraying and they're releasing and they're basically sabotaging like an arson. Like ar- climate arsons start fires to blame climate, to push the climate agenda. And I think it's been done and I think there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about this fact that there have been shooters, trans shooters with manifestos that got so wrapped up in their political agenda of anti-gun that they took a gun and shot up a school. I think that there's been plenty of examples of that where a shooting occurs, whether it's the Las Vegas shooting with the corrupt cops that are now uh, running the show out in Hawaii, and boy, Obama, uh, uh, Oprah is getting a what for because she had her own fire department and she painted her rooftop blue and blue seemed to be the color of choice for if you don't want to get a laser on your house. I mean, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of what sounds like conspiracy, but at this point, when the conspiracy conspiracy 
storylines have proven to be true, whether it's been the Russian hoax or the Crossfire Hurricane or Seth Rich or whatever, you can take it to the bank that conspiracies have a better track record than, say, Rachel Maddow or CNN, all of CNN, you know, or MSNBC, even Fox News. But this story is uh, heartbreaking, and it's the right question. They're asking the right question here. It seems the government is lying about the real number of missing kids in Lahaina, Maui, Hawaiian fires. 1,757 kids have not enrolled in school. Why not? That data point towards a major discre- points toward a major discrepancy in what we're being told as far as potential missing children. So direct energy weapons are to blame, but they're asking the question, like, like the question I had about COVID, when zero people got the flu, but everybody got COVID overnight, right? That didn't make sense. They were blowing up COVID for a lot of reasons, to get hospitals and, and medical professionals and pharmaceutical participation and the biggest cash grab from the middle class since the beginning of time to empower the globalist and deep state, the pharmaceuticals that sit on the board and panels of the World Economic Forum and are financed by BlackRock. It was a give back financially because the government's paid for these pharmaceutical vaccines and the pharmaceuticals made billions of dollars off of that and everybody knows it now. But this, these, these conspiracy, these, the question is, how many people actually died in 2020? Total. Forget about whether it's COVID, whether it's cancer, whether it's a, a train wreck. Forget about it. Forget it. two gunshots to the back of your head. Forget about whatever cause of death was. What was the overall cause of death? The total number of people that deceased in 2020, regardless of the cause. And it really wasn't any higher. It was average. It wasn't the highest. It wasn't the lowest. It's sort of like climate change. We're actually cooler this year than we were in many other years. So what gives? How could you sell global warming when the globe isn't, isn't warming? Or when the Antarctic has more ice caps than ever before in history. I mean, how do you sell it? Lies. You sell it with lies. So in 2021, 2022, same thing. So it's kind of interesting. Now they have a vaccine that is killing people. And maybe the death toll goes up. But it's because they poisoned people with the vaccine. Not because of COVID. So they're asking the right question here in Hawaii, and that is, let's do a audit. Let's do a uh, let's do a like who's here check. So let's do an enrollment check. We need to basically say, hey, if you're here, raise your hand. Who's not here? And if it adds up to one thousand seven hundred fifty-seven kids not showing up for school then we know 1,757 kids are dead and the government's lying to you. And that's the sad truth. 
None of the people who organized this capital, uh, this at the Capitol during Kavanaugh's hearings were sentenced to 22 years in jail for sedition and conspiracy. And they used what? What was it? Uh, that that woman? Um, I forget her name. Blase Ford. Remember her? Coming up with that pack of lies it was so obvious. She didn't. She didn't know where she was. She didn't know what month she was raped. She didn't know what room color was. She didn't know how she got home. She didn't know anything. <clears throat> but she stepped up and tried to ruin a man's life named Brett Kavanaugh. All in the name of politics, because she's a liberal that doesn't give two craps about whether she ruins a person's life over political power. And none of those people that disrupted that hearing got arrested. All right. So I told you about this guy. This, 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 this is creepy as heck. Listen to this. This guy wants to basically say, one way that we could get people off of meat is to shoot them up with a drug that makes them ill every time they think of the word meat. That's the biomedical modification of human beings. I'll give four examples. Here's one. 18% of greenhouse gas emissions come from livestock farming. So if we eat less meat, That's an we could significantly reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. Now, some people would be willing to eat less meat, but they lack the willpower. Human engineering could help. Just as some people are naturally intolerant to milk or crayfish, like myself, we could artificially induce mild intolerance to meat by stimulating our immune system against common uh, bovine proteins. And in this way, we can create an aversion to eating eco-unfriendly food. And we can do this, for example, by having meat patches, kind of like nicotine patches. People can then wear these patches before they go out for dinner to curb their enthusiasm for eating meat. Yikes. That, that, that's a TED Talk, by the way. That's like totally legit TED Talk. Remember the last TED Talk we saw? Uh, Bill Gates said, we can, we can kind of shrink the world's population from 9, million, 9 billion to 6 billion if we can just give people new vaccines in their arms. And we can increase abortions. And we can have death panels. You know, socialized medicine, reproductive services. They use these fancy, nice words. Reproductive services. Abortions. That's what you're, that's what you're saying. Oh, socialized medicine. You're talking about death panels. And he's already on record, on tape, saying... We got to define how much money we're willing to spend for to give somebody an extra three months of life, right? All right, here is Mark Zuckerberg, the guy who owns Facebook, right? The guy who owns Meta and the Metaverse, which is basically a virtual reality universe. Mark Zuckerberg privately told Facebook execs to be cautious about mRNA vaccines because we just don't know the long-term side effects of basically modifying people's DNA and RNA. 
He then censored scientists, doctors, and mRNA vaccine injured individuals. So that's crazy, isn't it? We just don't know the long-term side effects of, of basically modifying people's um, DNA and RNA. DNA is inherent in your own nucleus cell. We just don't know the long-term side effects of, of basically modifying people. Last week, Facebook announced they are, quote, expanding their efforts to remove false claims on Facebook and Instagram about COVID-19 vaccines. Let's take a look at Facebook's most updated COVID-19 vaccine policy. The real kicker is right here in the policy where Facebook says it would remove any content that, quote, claims the COVID-19 vaccine changes people's DNA. Well, we just got a new leaked tape from Zuckerberg himself, the CEO of Facebook, basically violating his own code of conduct. He would be censored on the platform today. For what he said. I share some caution on this because um, we just don't know the long-term side effects of, of basically modifying people's um, DNA and RNA. Now that was July 16, 2020. But this is what we were dealing with and contending with. Forget about, well, no, don't forget about the Hunter Biden laptop that was squashed. How could you have an election where everything that's true and false about COVID the thing, the, the single most instrumental thing that affected our elections and mandated this bioweapon that mandated mail-in balloting where ballots were sent indiscriminately all over the war, all the United States to where there was a trucker getting 250,000 ballots from New York State and trucking them into Harrisburg overnight and then complained about it, thinking, reporting it, And got squashed. That was Pennsylvania. Energy expert expert Alex Epstein on the genocidal anti-human nature of the net zero cult. The goal of this movement is really eliminating our CO2 emissions at all costs. And if if that's your goal, then you can't have human beings. It's not compatible with human flourishing or even human life. The people in power, though, will basically have the whole world. To now, Alex, the science reporter for the Times had a piece that has caused quite a stir, and rightly so. Let's have a look. It begins with this Second World War style rationing of petrol, household energy and meat could help to fight climate change, British scientists have recommended. Researchers from Leeds said the rationing would help countries to cut their carbon emissions rapidly and fairly, even though it was often seen as an unpalatable option. I wonder why. And there was also this. It doesn't stop there. The researchers said rationing is often seen as unattractive and therefore not a viable option for policymakers. It is important to highlight the fact that this was not the case for many of those who had experienced rationing. It is important to emphasise the difference between rationing itself and the scarcity that rationing was a response to. I mean, this is just incredible. They're they're not only advocating for rationing, but they're saying that people will like it. People will accept it. It's, It's wrong to presume that people are going to be offended by rationing. What do you make of this? You know, there's this really good memes on Twitter that go how it started, how it's going. And, you know, how it started was, hey, <laughs> fighting climate change with green energy, we're all going to get richer. And then it's, no, we'll have to take a hit. 
And now it's, no, 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 you're going to have rationing. It's going to remind you of the Soviet Union. And then next, it's going to be, you're just going to have to die, right? Which is the obvious end road of it. Because the whole, <laughs> the whole problem, as I talk about in my book, Fossil Future, is the goal of this movement is really eliminating our CO2 emissions at all costs and ultimately eliminating our impact on Earth. If that's your goal, that's what you're focused on, then you are you can't have human beings. It's not compatible with human flourishing or even human life. And so what you're seeing is the logical end road of pursuing eliminating our impact and our emissions at all costs. They're saying, oh, of course, rationing is a good thing. Whereas if you care about human life, rationing is a horrible thing, and they're not going to convince anyone. Well, I mean, you know, and to think that that's preposterous, then you you probably forgot about Jonestown and drinking the Kool-Aid. Drinking the Kool-Aid, that's where that came from. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. But there's a lot of Kool-Aid drinkers that are just indoctrinated, and they're just sheep, and they're just walking right into a trap. You know, they're, they're no smarter than a roach or a bug. That's the sad truth. All right, we got this one. The American Defamation League, CEO, this is where it's all coming from as well. Okay, so you got the climate, you got the censorship, you got the digital currency, you got all of these things happening at once. Bragging to MSNBC how the group extorts every single tech company in Silicon Valley to censor Americans and ban hate speech. Basically, it's the truth czar, right? From Amazon to Microsoft to Meta, and indeed to Twitter, we've dealt with them for years, helping them to tackle the challenges of hate speech on their platforms. Of course, one man's hate speech is another man's truth, right? A lot of liars hate truth. The ADL, our center for technology and society, American defamation actively with all the kind of companies of Silicon Valley, from Apple to Zoom, if you will, from Amazon to Microsoft to Meta and indeed to Twitter. We've dealt with them for years, helping them tackle the challenges of hate speech on their service. We point things out. We share information. But what we've said again and again and again, and I've had the privilege of speaking directly to Elon a few times. The reason why we are so concerned is because we think Twitter is such a consequential service. And again, allowing people who created the toxicity on the platform that led to real world violence. Keep in mind that the conspiracy theories that dominated on Twitter for so long exploded in places like Pittsburgh. Poway, El Paso, and of course, ultimately in Washington, D.C. on January the 6th. So what I would say very clearly is that to you, as I've told Elon Musk, as I've told to others, we need these companies to engage constructively, smartly, use their innovation to tackle hate speech. I see that chart you put up. That contradicts what we're seeing at ADL. We've seen anti-Semitic speech stay up there longer than ever before. We've been, you know, indicating when we've seen toxic content, it's not coming down nearly as quickly as in the past. And considering that the human resources have been massively depleted at the company, that would seem to figure and loom large as to why it's happening today. Look, at the end of the day, Katie, ADL, and I think so many of us want Twitter to work for all of its users, for journalists like yourself, for watchdogs like my organization, for the whole country, 
But tackling hate speech needs to be all of our commitment because freedom of speech isn't the freedom to slander people, Katie. Right? Freedom of ex- so this is the privatization of censorship uh, because it's, it's not bound by the same constitutional protections as government. Like government is bound by the First Amendment in a much stricter way than this private nonprofit organization that's funded heavily by globalist deep state uh, you know, leaders, right? The people with deep pockets, the Bill Gates of the world that want a narrative uncontested, right? So that's what's happening there. Here's a little bit more to this. Tucker uh, covered this ADL right here. Let's take a listen. For many decades, Al Sharpton made a good living shaking down corporate America for money. There's a reason his suits cost more than your car. It was pretty effective. Sharpton's gone mainstream now, if you can describe a job at MSNBC that way, but the business model is still there. It's just been embraced by a paler, less charming version of the old Reverend Al, a former bottled water salesman called Jonathan Greenblatt. Greenblatt runs the Anti-Defamation League, whose century-old reputation he leverages for moral authority and cash. This year alone, Greenblatt has effectively extorted half a million dollars from the Brooklyn Nets and another seven figures from the shoe company Adidas. Send me money or I'll call you names. Okay. But Greenblatt also takes money to attack other people. If you've got an enemy, there's a good chance that with a big enough check, you can pay Jonathan Greenblatt to denounce that person on television. And we're pretty sure something like that has happened to us. Here's Jonathan Greenblatt claiming that this show, probably the most pro-faith hour on mainstream television, wants to shut down religious schools and places of worship. It's pretty funny, but here he is pretending to mean it. Watch. Six years from now, if someone said to me, anti-Semitic incidents will have tripled again. Synagogues will be shut down. Jewish day schools will be closed because of the threats. Jews will have left in large numbers. Tucker Carlson will be the nominee for the GOP. And... uh, will say we need it we need to get all the globalists out of uh there'll be no globalists in my administration that shouldn't sound so crazy <laughs> yeah shut down the worship places tempting to laugh at a clown like that but media companies still take jonathan greenblack seriously enough to let them him guide their censorship why Josh Hammer is the opinion editor of Newsweek, host of the Josh Hammer Show. He joins us tonight. Josh, why? I mean, this guy, you know, whatever you, whatever you think of him, he should not be in charge of censorship, right? Tucker, let me say this as clearly as possible. Jonathan Greenblatt is a petty tyrant and a disgrace to the Jewish people. He has taken the helm of a once venerable civil rights organization. He has totally corrupted the mission, and in so doing, he has betrayed the Jewish people. He has not lessened, but actually exacerbated the very mission that his organization was purportedly founded upon and which purportedly still exists to fight, which is combating anti-Semitism. And he has done so by doing exactly what you said he has done, like with Al Sharpton. He has become 
become a two-bit shakedown artist partisan hack. By the way, Jonathan Greenblatt actually publicly appeared with Al Sharpton earlier this year. That's the same Al Sharpton who was a noted <laughs> pogromist in Crown, in, in Crown Heights, Brooklyn in 1991. That pogrom led to the death of an Orthodox Jew named Yankel Rosenbaum. Jonathan Greenblatt has never waited for Al Sharpton to apologize while publicly appearing with him. Jonathan Greenblatt is a partisan Obama administration Democratic alum. If he had a morsel of dignity or self-respect, he would resign tomorrow. And he does not, this is crucial, Tucker, Jonathan Greenblatt does not speak for the Jewish people. He speaks for liberal reform to Kuno Lam Jews. He does not speak for proud Jews, for Zionist Jews. He does not speak for most Jews in America at this point. Well, you know, Obama is getting hit really hard these days uh, because this, uh, you know, gay, this, this, this rhetoric about this uh, gay experience he's had. Well, I mean, it's quite clear that Obama, you know, nobody really gives a crap whether or not Obama is gay or not. I, I certainly don't care. I, I really don't care. The, the, the point that um, is interesting about this news cycle that's coming out about Obama and being gay, it has a, something a little bit to do with the idea that the chef was found murdered in the water and he was found naked. And the chef could very well have had dirt on the Obamas, number one. But number two, it, it gets to the point like, was, was Frank Marshall Davis... Obama's dad dreams of my real father. His mother was she she the lover of Frank Marshall Davis, a Marxist communist. He was good uh, a good disciple of uh, Alinsky. Followed the Cloward and Piven destruction path, which we're seeing on full display. We're seeing a Manchurian candidate in Obama in his third term, and that we're realizing more and more with each passing news cycle that Hillary was supposed to carry out Obama's third term because she had she had a lot of baggage but she didn't have as much baggage as Biden did two really corrupt puppeteers basically you can't have a person with no criminal track record because you can't get rid of them if they go rogue and on their own. So you have to get these, you know, they call them insured candidates, corrupt candidates that you can guarantee you have the power to take them down if they step out of line. It's like any mob organization. MS-13 would actually film you raping somebody or shooting somebody in the head. And saying, if you ever cross us, we're going to turn this video into the police and you're going to go to jail for the rest of your life. It's, it's insurance. And somehow they didn't get the algorithm right because it was their first. They, they didn't realize how Trump, powerful and popular Trump really was. And Trump won. Despite all the rigging that was done in 2016. But they fine-tuned it in 2018 to win back the House to get the impeachment. And then they piled on, and in 2020, you had the FBI, the DOJ, the State Department, the CIA, all going against Trump because the deep state is a uniparty, and they needed to get rid of the guy that was 
dismantling all the dark money and all the black markets that were in play with all the laundering schemes that enrich government officials. That's really what it's all about, folks. If you can't see that, then I don't know what to say to you. It's crazy. All right. I have so many ways I can go with the limited time that we have available. Let's see. This one says, Joe Biden got recorded when he talked to a child. Do you guys remember this? Let me tell you. See, listen to this. This is sick. You're one sexy kid. You're one sexy kid. Don't tell mommy what I told you. You're one sexy kid. Don't tell mommy what I just told you. Who says that to children? And then you got James Clapper. Talk about the deep state. Look at, listen to this. This is incredible. Uh, listen to, it's an eight-minute clip. We're going to play just a little bit of it. This is a hidden tape you've never heard before. And, uh, domestic terrorism within the country and access was limited to a certain group headed by Rod Rosenstein. Rod Rosenstein. squad in Baltimore. This is where they were using hammer. Dirty trick squad. Sunrise, sunset, things like that uh, to illegally spy on people, corrupt, uh, well, attempt to corrupt judges, compromise them. Uh, Hillary Clinton. By the way, this was an audio recording of an interrogation of James Clapper. Others, I mean, it was just ongoing. They concentrated on judges, but they wanted to concentrate on this. And they would illegally compromise people, illegally wiretap, break into computers, plant, reverse, change information, change emails, things of that nature. <clears throat> and it was in this capacity of working with them that uh, the information about the judges and Roberts and Pence and things like that had come out. I've tried several times in the past to get it out and was thoroughly squashed by Rod and the DOJ and the FBI. Uh, to a horrible extent, I tried to get in 2015, tried to end run them and go to the Department of Homeland Security. <clears throat> but on the video, I tried to warn President Trump about the people that he was dealing with daily, and especially Rod and Pence, things like that. They were working together to remove them, try to compromise the people around them, get their land when they possibly could. And how were Rod and uh, Rod Rosenstein and Mike Pence connected? Uh, that group, I mean, they're all interconnected in one way or another. That particular group was Rod. B.P. Pence, uh, Paul Ryan, uh, that was the core of that group. So you're getting this? Mike Pence, Rod Rosenstein uh, were working together to compromise Roberts and Paul Ryan as well. And they all hate Trump. I don't know why Trump picked Pence to begin with. I'd never understood that. In there, but that was the core of it. And it was an attempt where Rod was the brilliant legal mind behind it to remove President Trump under the 25th Amendment. But that was a, that's an old movie about somebody being passed over for promotion, which they both felt they were. You know, BP Pence. So the motivation there was that Rod Rosenstein felt like he was passed over. Where do we hear that before? We heard that before with regard to Mark Felt the deep throat character in Watergate where he felt he was passed over and he started talking with Woodward and Bernstein and turned a, what I think was a Democrat operation to compromise the most popular president in a long time, Nixon, who won in a landslide because he wanted to look into the John F. Kennedy assassination and he was, uh, 
this he he was there was no cooperation with his efforts there, and they tried to get him out, and they did. Uh, hated uh, President Trump because he had taken his slot as rightful president. He felt that he did, and Paul Ryan was actually considered running as well for vice presidential slot, and that Romney was also involved. <clears throat> but uh, they don't. They thought President Trump was an outsider who had not paid his dues. They just didn't like him. So once. Uh, Anthony Pence was uh, uh, in there once President Trump was elected, obviously Vice President Pence. I just walked away and uh, everything became very quiet. I was there on one side. Someone who could run interference, make certain things, and just keep tabs on the president and manage him. So is this a friendly relationship between Mike Pence and Rosenstein, or was there any kind of leverage being placed on the president, or the vice president at the time? There was leverage on uh, Mike Pence because of um, surveillance from way back in the 2013 range that they had... Um, Gun FISA warrants to exploit, and Rod had that. He wanted a vice presidential slot himself. You know, if they could remove President Trump, Vice President Pence becomes president, and Rod felt that he would be the natural selection for it. Paul Ryan felt differently, as did Mitt Romney, but uh, that was the overall goal. Each one vying for the uh, vice presidential slot. Rod thought he was a clear winner because of his legal brilliance and his management of uh, the Mueller investigation and special counsels and things. You know, he would be the one to remove the president, damage him so thoroughly he could be removed, and he deserved it. <clears throat> By the way, Rod Rosenstein, as corrupt as he sounds here, his wife was the chief spokesperson for the CDC and the COVID uh, strategy. Well, do you know what type of leverage uh, would have existed over the vice president? Uh, the vice president has had uh, homosexual relations in the past. Uh, the uh, many of them were adults. Uh, this is something he had done throughout uh, his time in uh, Congress. When he became governor, he had thought that uh, he was free to explore them more. There were two specifically that they had recorded. One gentleman, roughly 20 years his junior, yeah, they had a, a fairly steady relationship. There was one about half his age. It was much more sporadic. Uh, it's because it was more dangerous, harder to get you know, time alone. And it was that second one that uh, introduced uh, younger and younger people. This is whomever, he's 17, he's really 15. Whomever, he's 15, he's really 13. And uh, Rod and uh, Roberts, uh, Chief Justice Roberts, uh, a lot of the younger people involved, the ones that were brought uh, as uh, favors, were uh, supplied by uh, Jeffrey Epstein's uh, channels, through his channels, his people. They were able to get uh, FISA warrants because, of course, Chief Justice Roberts had FISA court and help them prepare them, but it was also, uh, Epstein was uh, an intelligence asset of some type of, to various agencies around the world. They used his information, they exploited it for their own good. So when he was here, or his people were here, it was easy enough to justify a FISA warrant on them. You know, I would enact a warrant, surveil everything, document it, but they would not help anyone. They would not save the child, they would not you know, reveal it was more important than that, the leverage on everything. Of course, this is under their own corrupt ideas, but under Rod. Is, is tutelage, and, and that's what they wanted the leverage. All right, so I'm going to ask you if we could get into some more of the details uh, with the Dirty Trick Squad and how Rosenstein uh, was a part of that group, and if uh, Roberts had any type of interaction with the group as well. Okay. Uh, dirty Trick Squad, it was just a nickname, so it was anything official. This group of people that were either dirty or they controlled, I was one that was controlled. Uh, there's Rod, uh, Sean Henry, FBI. Sean Bridges, Secret Service, Rosati, Joseph Rosati, who was a DEA, Alan Borishok was ATF, 
got uh, tens of thousands of likes and retweets uh, on Twitter. It's trending on Twitter. This just came out, this audio of James Clapper in an interrogation. And it's uh, quite something. Uh, By the way, there's one other clip I wanted to play. We're running out of time here, obviously. Absolutely horrifying what Gates did to the Vietnam people. This was a situation here where... Bill Gates and the Gates. Well, Bill, ever since uh, uh, the WHO, Vietnam became part of the WHO, they started having autism. They didn't have any autism before that. So it was kind of interesting. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be getting into the Victor Orban uh, uh, breakdown of this interview with Tucker Carlson. It's quite interesting. We're going to tackle that tomorrow, hopefully. And uh, with that, that brings us to the end of our show. Be sure to check out magapack.org. Find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Make a donation to keep this show, Scott Adams Show, commercial free. Use Red State over at mypillow.com. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye, everybody.